0: Good morning again, dear ones. Um, I'm going to read from Rays of the One Light, but I want to welcome you all on this anniversary of Swami's meeting with Master. Truly a significant watershed event in the lives of all of us. The reading this morning, very appropriately, is Truth Invites it never commands. Truth is eternal, one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. Free will is a basic principle of life. God never coerces. He invites us to live in such a way That we find fulfillment in ourselves. If we refuse to live rightly, Paramahansa Yogananda taught, God simply says, I will wait. We have eternity to live. In that eternity, we live as we choose in self-created darkness, a darkness as intense and as long-lasting as we choose or in the infinite light, the true self, which is God. Jesus Christ in the Beatitudes offered a beautiful example of God's way of inviting mankind to seek perfection, not by commanding, but by offering his human children the incentive they need to choose the right of their own volition. Blessed are the poor in spirit, Jesus said, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. In each of the Beatitudes, Jesus explains the blessing attendant upon observing it. The divine way, similarly for each of us, is not to do violence to our own natures. Spirituality must be attained naturally. It can never be attained by force. The Bhagavad Gita says in the third chapter, even the wise behave in accordance with nature as it is manifested in them. Of what avail then? is suppression. The scripture then goes on, however, to explain that this doesn't mean we should surrender to the dictates of our lower nature. Rather, it emphasizes our need to aspire to the heights, but each of us in accordance with his own nature, and not in imitation of anyone else's, offering ourselves up for purification by divine grace. Desire, whatever form it takes, so the Bhagavad Gita explains, should be resisted, if only mentally. Attachment and repulsion to sense objects, both of these are universally rooted. No one should accept their influence, for verily, they are man's enemies. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Aum,
1: Aum, Aum.
2: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to those joining us online and welcome to all of you here today. It's as we've mentioned this is the 73rd anniversary of Swami Kriyananda's meeting master. Yeah, let's <laughs> And it's with such gratitude that we enter this day gratitude for master taking form and Coming to awaken the West and the world and all of us. gratitude for Swam, to Swamiji for not only seeking God in his own right, but for understanding that this that we all needed Him to show us how to go deeper in the spiritual life. And gratitude for this amazing life we have here at Ananda Village, at all of our Ananda communities throughout the world. And with, for all of us who are joined on the virtual community and meditation groups, this satsang we have in God. And as I was sitting here, I was filled with so much gratitude for this life. The, the founding members who came, and launched off into the unknown following Swami, not knowing really what we were doing or where he was going, but we trusted. And for those who came in the later years, just to say in the time where it was still pretty much without form, who said, I will give my life to this. And to so many of you, we've gone through so much together loss and grief and illness and all of these things. And we've just soldiered on together. And what a gift this has been. And I must pause and say also the gratitude for Dr. Peter and Patricia and the clinic who have seen us through this pandemic and guided us and showed us how to move forward. And it it just goes on and on. And to the young people who have come in the last number of years who understood, we didn't have to explain to you that this was about giving it everything you had, not saying, well, I like this or I don't like this, but what can I do to further this? So thanks to all of you. It's just with so much gratitude that we have this life. And However far God chooses to take us on this journey, we know that the blessings that have come in this life are, are sufficient, whatever the future holds. You know, this picture of Swamiji on the altar, uh, I don't know if we can pan to that, maybe our wonderful tech team can do it. Just many of you don't know the story, but most of you don't know the story behind that picture. Jyotish took that when we first arrived in India in 2003. Swami was just starting the work there. His robes at that time were orange, not blue, but we, we I think Surya did Photoshop and made his robes <laughs> blue. But in any case, he was there he was, I think he was 77 and he's starting this work in India. And um, it's just so filled with enthusiasm. We were in Delhi. We hadn't yet gotten settled in Gorgon. But so many adventures, so many mishaps along the way. But still, uh, it all has come to this beautiful, beautiful moment in time where we can just, in deep gratitude, just say, thank you, Lord, for this life. Whatever the future holds, I am so grateful. So I'll do, share a reading from Whispers from Eternity. This is, I want to hear thy song in the silence of my soul. Thy gentle voice saying, come home. I often heard. But through many lives, it was drowned in the tumult of my wild cravings. I have forsaken forsaken the jostling crowds of desire. In the solitude of my mind, my devotion bursts to hear thy voice. Take away every dream memory of earthly sounds that yet lurks in my mind. I want to hear thy still voice ever singing in the silence of my soul." Speaking of singing, I would be remiss not to express profound gratitude to our singers and for keeping Swamiji's music so vibrantly alive for all of us. And just to remind you, there's a little surprise at the end of I'll say no more this was a beautiful reading about truth invites it doesn't command and Swamiji starts using the uh, words from the Beatitudes which are part of Sermon on the Mount the Sermon on the Mount blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall find mercy. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. And I've told you this all perhaps before, but we had such a profound experience with these words. Many years ago, we were on a pilgrimage to the Holy Land, and we went to uh, the... Uh, Mount of Beatitudes. It's called above the Sea of Galilee. You looked first. We were at the Sea of Galilee at Capernaum, and we sang the songs from the oratorio, and then we went up. We walked up the Mount of Beatitudes, and we there's just at that time. Perhaps it's more developed now, but there was a church off to the side. But there was it was just a garden, a beautiful garden, with an open air pagoda, and we sang in that little pagoda. We sang. Uh, the Beatitudes. But then we went and meditated and there was this murmur going on. I couldn't tell what it was at first. And then I realized there were groups from all over the world, China, Japan, Italy, Russia, Korea, and they were all saying the Beatitudes in their own language. And it was it all it all came together and it was like, oh it was so beautiful. And these words, and Swami explains them, what they mean on the deeper level. Because we don't if we don't go deeper with them, it doesn't have the, as deep enough impact on our lives. But blessed are the poor in spirit. It doesn't mean poverty or self-denying or uh, degrading, but it means those who are without ego, those who, who just say, I don't want anything about myself anymore. I just want it to be about you, God, and that—that's the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the merciful. The merciful who are those who see everyone as their own self, who feel other people's suffering as their own, and they—they uh, they receive that deep compassion and awareness of God's presence. Blessed are the poor and, the uh, pure at heart again, poor in spirit, pure in heart, those who have nothing else, no other goal, no other love, no other desire, just God, and they shall see God. So, But then Swami goes on to explain, this is God's way of inviting us, not saying, you should not have ego, you should love other people, not commanding, but saying, look, if you do this, This is what will happen. It's an invitation. And you know, the I had a a very interesting, I read an interesting book uh, called The Gift of the Jews, and it was talking about the real development of Judaism. And it was very interesting. He said, because the Ten Commandments, in a way, get a bad rap. Thou shalt not do this. Thou shalt do that. But But this man, the author said, Thomas Cahill, who wrote wonderful books, How the Irish Saved Civilization, and so forth. He said, in the original Hebrew in which it was written, it wasn't thou shalt. It was more like, don't, it was like... Reflecting very much Patanjali's yamas and niyamas. It was non killing, non stealing. It, it was the same invitation, not saying you must do this, but it, don't you see? If you do this, this is what your reward will be. And if you're not ready, as Swami says in the book, I will wait. I will wait. And you know, it's such. It ties in so beautifully with how Swamiji, this approach of inv- inviting, not commanding, that's how Swami worked with all of us. He rarely, rarely told, you must do this, you should do that, oh no, that's really a mistake. He just, by his own example, and, he, and in the beginning, my goodness, what a, <laughs> what a ragtag bunch we were, you know? A few of them, a few of us had been students of his in the San Francisco Bay Area, but most of us were just starting, just having read autobiography, having done a little yoga, having started meditating. But we didn't know what it was to give your life to God. We didn't know what it was to have purity of heart or be poor in spirit. And yet, and here he was, this man of incredible spiritual stature. I mean, he could have looked at us and said, forget it. I'm going to the India. I'm going to go to the Himalayas. I'm going to find God. But he thought, no, I'm going to serve my guru in these these thirsty souls. We were thirsty, dumb but thirsty. Excuse me a minute. I'm going to grab that. And he said, no, but if he would have done it in such a way that he would have, we would have felt judged by him, we wouldn't have been able to continue. But he always just encouraged us in our next step. And he would often give people, like, let's say, uh, this is not a true story, but let's say someone would come and they would have experience in management. Well, he would tell them, go work in the garden, because he was trying to develop different aspects of our nature. He wasn't trying to say, oh, you're good at this. Okay, you continue doing that. He was just encouraging us, inviting us. And the people came, and people left. You know, even Swamiji said in Mount Washington, uh, when Master was alive, it was like a a hotel with a revolving door. People came, people left. People came, people left. And that was with Master. And it was the same with with Ananda. And it still is the same. Devotees may come, devotees may go. It's, but everyone's karma... You know, there was a man who, um, who came in the early years, and he... Um, His name. Swami gave him the name Ram Lila. We've God's play. We've mentioned him before, and he was his background was a hell's angel. He was in motorcycle gangs, and he was rough and tumble. He he was short, but. Broad, he looked a little bit like the orcs in Lord of the Rings, and these real wild hair, But he had a beautiful heart, beautiful, and really committed to this path. And he he came to, but he was a character, and he came to Swamiji and he said, you know, I went to SRF and I asked them if I could join, and they they wouldn't have anything to do with me. And I didn't go dressed in chains and leather. I dr I would. Dressed like a regular citizen. And, and what did Swami do? <laughs> Swami put him in ch- charge of the boys' ashram. And just to try to open his heart to bring out that child, because he saw that he's really a big child. And he brought that out of him. He didn't, and God knows what he'd done before he came to Ananda. It's better not to think about it. But, but Swami just saw him as somebody who was sincere. And he didn't criticize, he said, well, you know, this isn't really your kind of place. But he just, he encouraged him. And Ramalila stayed for a while. But then his negative past caught up with him. And he started speaking negatively about Swami and Anand, And he left. And then one day, Swami was giving a talk. This was up at the meditation retreat in the Temple of Leaves there outside. I believe it was spiritually no There were a couple of hundred people. And then all of a sudden, we, Swami was giving the talk, and we felt something happen way at the back of the seating area. And it was Ram Leela and he'd come back. And Swami looked at him, and he went, it's just like a little boy. And he, he came up, and Ramlila just kind of looked real, you know, like he knew he'd been bad. And Swami just took him by the hair, and he said, you've been a bad boy, haven't you? And Ramlila said, yes, Swami. And he said, don't do it anymore. I won't, Swami. And he didn't stay, but he followed a spiritual life. His life was changed, because he wasn't judged. He was just accepted. And this is really, if Ananda really will continue in the spirit that Swami started it, we have to remember this. Because people will disappoint us. People will speak against us. They will do, try to hurt us. All these things. But just to... Blessed are the merciful, for they shall find mercy. If we can just always respond, as Swami did in every circumstance, another time another man... Came here and he had a lot of ego. He wanted to be a leader here, and he actually wanted to kind of push Swami out and be the leader. And um, there was some public hearing, and he was uh, that Ananda was trying to get some thing passed, and he came to speak against Ananda. And afterwards, Swami went up to him and he said, "You know." I could be Satan incarnate, but it's just not your problem. Don't worry about it. Get on with your life. And the man just walked away. But always, always holding up that inviting people to their highest level, not judging them. And in the new path, Swami talks about how Master worked with the devotees. And this is where he learned this. Of course, it was innate in him, a heart of tremendous kindness. Swami said when he was little, his mother, when his mother would read him picture books before he could read, I guess. And there was somebody that, you know, maybe the uh, little Cinderella locked up in the t- with her mean stepsisters, whatever it was, and she, and Swami said his mother would tell him his little lip would start trembling, and he would say, "Pour this, pour this," and and that's what he did with all of us. <laughs> pour this, pour this, but he just kept drawing us forward, and here we are. And you know what? He's still drawing us forward. Don't think he's not listening to your thoughts and your prayers. I think he's more present with us now than he ever was. But we have to be open, be open. And in the new path, um, Swami talks about how Master worked with the devotees. And it was so beautiful. He said, Master was like a perfect polished mirror, that what was shown to us about ourselves was not his opinion of us, but it was reflecting back our own higher self, looking at the weaknesses or the flaws or the wrong attitudes that we might have. So he wasn't judging us, but he awakened within us our own higher self. So we could say, mm, maybe it's time to let that go. Hmm, that isn't really working very well for me. That's life strategy. And so it was so beautiful. I, I just want to read the way he put it. What he showed us was the silent watcher at the center of our own selves. The silent watcher at the center of our own selves. And that's what we in turn, how Ananda will go forward with harmony. You know, we've been doing this peace and harmony prayer, and we said we'd do it when we the original goal was to do it for till today till September 12th. Well, we don't need to stop. <laughs> if you want to keep going, I love it. I just uh, let's keep going. And if you, you know, we set a goal just so it wouldn't drift off. But no, if you feel to do it or to do it on your own, do it as long as you feel inspired. Don't let it be mechanical. But what master, he showed us the silent watcher in our own selves. And this is how we grow It isn't by self-condemnation, self-blame, oh, I blew it again, I got upset, oh, I blew it again, I didn't do what I said I was going to do, you know, none of those things, just I think I could do it a little better, and I'm going to try. And it's, everything he did, the education system, it's based on that same principle education for life, where it's not saying everybody's the same, and this is how you have to perform, and if you don't... I mean, that's how we all were educated. You know, if you're good in this or you're not good in this. But the, the education system is saying everybody's different, and their path is different, and the way that they'll evolve is different. And that's, again, how Swami invited each one of us in different ways to be our own highest self, and my highest self, in a certain sense, is different from yours. But ultimately, it's not. Ultimately, my highest self and your highest self is the same thing. It's God. But we may take different ways to get there. And that's the beauty of this life and spiritual community, is everyone is doing things, living a life on behalf of everyone else. Someone whose birthday was yesterday, conceived of this magnificent temple and designed it. Panduranga, <laughs> he's not here, but happy birthday belated. Somebody, lots of men, came together and they built this temple, and they men and women. And they painted it and they put carpet down. And And I didn't do it. I didn't know how to do it, but they did it for all of us. And we all enjoy it. And so to just understand. God's trying to reflect back to us, trying to, our own higher self, not with opinions. And this is something, honestly, I'm working on because it's a flaw in myself. That Because Jatisha and I are faced with lots of situations and we have to kind of, what's going on? What's the highest thing? And just to say, you know what? Everybody's right everybody is right according to their own perspective. Maybe this is the direction we need to go, but it doesn't mean we have to have a negative opinion about anybody. That doesn't help us, it doesn't help them. And so in going forward, just to always remember to, as Swami trained us, I want to be that way with other people, and I hope you do too. Just to try to, if you see somebody really blowing it, You don't have to tell them about it. You don't have to point it out. Just quietly, quietly try to reflect back to them without judgment and opinion, just their own highest self. And if we can do that, what a great gift. We will not only for ourselves, but for creating a community, master's vision of World Brotherhood communities that would be a beacon of light to the world. There's so much happiness in this. It's such a freeing way of life. A friend of mine wrote me recently, and she's a woman who tends towards depressive thoughts. It's just a burden she bears. And she was writing, she wrote all these questions about how, you know, how to be happy. Should I do this? Should I do that? And I didn't answer the letter for a long time because I just didn't know what to say. I I just felt like saying, just be happy. Just, Just be happy. And I knew that wouldn't satisfy her. So I went last night and I got Swami's little book, The Secrets of Happiness. And I, I read it, and I thought, oh, that one would work for her, that one. And, and I just said, I'm not really answering your questions. I'm just saying, these are secrets of happiness that would work for you. And one of them was, and this, I felt like it was a little treat for me because it tied in with this topic. The secret of happiness is working with other people's realities, with their natures as they are, and not forcing them into a mold of our own creation. That's the secret of happiness. We can be happy if we accept other people's realities and their natures, and not saying you have to be like me. And that was Swami's greatness, too. I mean, there he was, a man of such talent, of such spiritual depth, of such genius. And he would invite Jotish and I over for tea. And we would try to think of, we would try to remember little jokes that we could tell him, just so it, it wouldn't be just sort of sitting, staring at each other. And we would tell him these little jokes. And he would laugh. He would throw his head back and laugh. And he was just knowing why we were doing it. And one time, after we had been with him for a really long time uh, traveling, and then it was time to part ways, and I said to him, Swamiji, so, I hope I never got out of line. Because, you know, I was just trying to be, make life fun for you, and I hope it never was too much. And he got a sweet little smile and he said, No, you wear well. <laughs> and that was one of the nicest things he ever said. So let's, with each other, let's wear well. Let's not outstay our welcome. That's not our cross borders where people are trying to work on something. It's a sensitive area, and we feel we have to point it out. We don't. Let's just be sources of support and love and acceptance of each other. And I believe that's one of the greatest gifts, second only to his discipleship, that Swami shared with all of us.
0: God bless you. I just have to say that was a wonderful
1: <laughs> service. <laughs> Lord most high our heavenly Father, all our lives we dedicate to thee. i H2